We're live. We're here. Potty, what's happening? It's all happening as always, mate. Been a good week. Been a good week. Good week. Plenty You're back. Of... You're back in, back in town. Yeah, made it back in town. Great, great weekend away camping, sunshine, surf, water. Lovely, mate. How was your week, mate? Mate, it was all good. Look, I, I'm going to have to jump straight into some feedback that we've got before we get into the podcast, mate. A really, really big fan of the show. Reached out via text. So there's a bit of a close connection there. And he was talking about our singing at the start of the podcast. I said to him, mate, I said, what's wrong with the singing? What? He said, look, look, he said, there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't love it. And I thought to myself, what's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? What's love got to do? Got, got to, to do, do with, with it. it. Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? broken. Welcome to the Sports Attention Podcast. Let's have it, guys. Thank you, thank you for that feedback. Okay, so what's caught my eye this week? All right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey taking a step away from sport for a second here, Grego. So we're we're not even diving into the the our, into our pet event. We're going straight into entertainment. How good's this? How good is that? Straight into entertainment. Everyone knows world famous actor Matthew McConaughey. He's an Aussie, isn't he? McConaughey? Yeah, oh, I, I mean, think he, so. That I think accent. he plays a few different roles. He yeah. does. He does. Uh, loved by uh, one and all. Um, and that accent, you know, rugged good looks. And his co-star, many, many films. Ed TV? Do you remember back in the late 90s? Ed TV, yeah. That was sort of like a... It was a Truman Show-ish sort yeah, of movie, wasn't it? A little bit before it, b- yeah. before its time as far as reality TV. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, then they were in True Detectives maybe about 10 years ago. Great Who are we series. talking about? Who? Matthew McConaughey and Woody, and Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson? Woody Harrelson. From Cheers. From Cheers. White man can't jump. He's actually gone on to do a few things. Oh, very good. So what, what's this uh, What's this connection between Matthew McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson, my friend? Well, I just thought they had some natural on-screen chemistry, but it turns out that Matthew McConaughey has come out and said that they may actually be brothers. So is this brothers so uh, is it sort of like a bromance or is this like no, legitimate this is legitimate brothers brothers so wow. apparently they've gotten together one night they're having a few drinks and matthew mcconaughey's mother is around mm. and she has said to woody woody i know your father oh is it the old what is the old darth vader trick well, i know i know your father or is I, it i am your father well <laughs> And uh, apparently they've um, got out the calculator, I imagine, and they've done the maths and they've punched in a few calculations, a few figures, and they've come up with the possibility that they may actually be brothers. So, so that, that, I found that incredible. And when you look at them side by side, you go, you know, one might be a little bit more dashing than the other. One might yeah. have just a little bit more of that thick Texan accent, but 
Yes, there may be some similarities there. Look, I think the thing that concerns me is the fact that Woody and Matt, we'll call him Matt, he's, yeah. he's Aussie, are sitting around having dinner discussing his mother's sex life. <laughs> That's yeah. Is that not the biggest concern here? <laughs> is a, but get your list out, Mum. Yeah. We want to go through it. Well, they must have been on the wall turkey. We know Matt well, fancies that, yes. don't we? Absolutely. Well, so uh, a bit of uh, 20 and Me, or what do they call it, the uh, Ancestry.com, a bit of that going on in the uh, Harrelson and McConaughey uh, stables at the moment, hey? Yeah, well, it appears so. Um, I hope to hear further about it, but I'd say there's a very good chance we will never hear another thing about it again. Big question, Matthew McConaughey. Who did AIDS better, Tom Hanks or Matthew McConaughey? Oh, well. Who did AIDS better? They both picked up the Oscar, didn't they? So, <laughs> oh, so mate. It, it, he, he, I mean, he did AIDS really well in Dallas Wires Club, but, it, it, I mean, going back to Tom Hanks, Philadelphia, it was before its time. A man before he signed. That was scary AIDS, too. That was pre-Magic Johnson AIDS when you people could beat it. It was. Yeah. Two cracking films, if you haven't seen them. <laughs> I think so. Stream of the Week? Or well. Maybe, some, maybe something we can look at down the, down the, down the path. Agreed, agreed. What else has caught your eye, mate? Uh, well, back to my old favourite, the NRL, the crowds. Oh, I thought the crowds over the weekend were absolutely fantastic. We saw a really good crowd, 23,000-odd, I think, at Suncorp Stadium yep. for um, Redcliffe. Oh, I can't call them Redcliffe. We can't call them Redcliffe. <laughs> Dolphins. They'll, they'll get kicked out of the Queensland Cup if you call them Redcliffe. Yep, sorry, my, my bad there. Uh, the Dolphins versus South Sydney, so really good crowd. Um, on Suncorp Stadium, though, gee, it needs a week off, doesn't it? It's an ice skating rink up there. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem is when you, you, you thump these these grounds and just drop in the turf and play on, on a Tuesday and play on a Thursday. Mm. Well, it generally doesn't work like that. Luckily, they don't have much coming up over the next couple of weeks. No magic anyway. Oh, oh, that's, that'll come in later on the show. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's always good. I mean, it's an indication on, on how the competition's going when people are getting, you know, out of the house and going and checking out games. So, yeah, positive all around for that. And Rabina was sold out. Uh, Broncos versus Titans and Parramatta. The old rivalry versus Canterbury was also very oh, close to some always players. always draws well that game. It does, but even if you go to Brookie Shark Park, McDonald Jones Stadium, or as we like to call it on the show, Marathon, Marathon Stadium, Stadium. Marathon Stadium. There were just crowds everywhere. So I was wondering, what do you think? Is it a sign of? Is it a sign of people just happy to be out again? COVID seems to have dropped off, or is it just a sign of how good the footy is? Yeah, I think that could play a part. The fact that it's, um, you know, it's something that as rugby league fans, we um, can find ourselves in a bit of a pickle with. The fact that the product is so good on your TV that sometimes it's like, well, it's easy to, to sit on the couch with a cold beer and watch watch the game because you get all the insights and the like. But, yeah, it's really good. I, I have Nothing beats live footy. Unfortunately, mm. where we are, we don't get to see as much as what we'd like. But, no. you know, I think if you get that opportunity to go and watch live footy, you've got to take it with two hands. Definitely. And the final thing that caught my eye, mate, was the Broncos have a pain in the half. And a that, pain in the heart. A pain in the heart, and that pain in the heart. What heart, has his mum done now? Well, no, no, no. It's, oh, it's not. Okay, it's not. Okay. Believe it or not, no it worries. is not. It is actually Eddie Jones again and Rugby Eddie, Australia. Oh, they are coming knocking, and they are after pain. Where would he play? I mean, well, that's the, that's a big question because I think um, although Sam Burgess at the time that he went and played with England rugby. 
he was, you know, one of, one of the most dominant forwards in the NRL at the time, playing prop but wearing a 13 at times. So he's playing that role, similar role to what Payne Husk play. But in rugby, he really, really struggled to adapt because they didn't know whether to play him in the centres or try and mould him into the pack. And when you're playing... Maybe flanker or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, and I mean, rugby's not my forte, but I'm, you know, knowledgeable enough to know that a forward in the NRL can't just walk into a forward pack in the rugby team because there's far more intricacy to the to the positions within a forward pack in rugby. So it makes you think that if you're going to bring someone like a Payne Haas across, similar to... England rugby bringing Sam Burgess across, is he going to find himself in the centres like Ben Teo did also? Or are you going to be able to, you know, I'm sure he's talented enough, but are you going to be able to invest that time into him to make him a true rugby forward, whether it be at number eight or a flanker? Mm, I agree. I think it's the time, the, in, uh, the investment of time that they'd need to put in him. And Sam Burgess... Clearly, that time wasn't what he had yeah, available to him. I think it was, a, it was a challenge that was probably offered up to Sam at the time, and he took it. So, mm. yeah. What about you, mate? What have, what's caught your eye this mate, week? Mate, it has been so long that we've sat down together, and not only did I realise how much I enjoy doing this podcast, it's one of the, it's definitely the most fun thing that I ever do in in my life at the moment. Sorry to my wife and kids, but um, look, I couldn't help myself, mate. I've been doing a lot of renovations at home. And I've had somewhat of an experience. I don't know whether it's spiritual or, you know, just just myself uh, coming to terms with something. But um, the Pine Line Maximus, mate. Yeah. So I've been big Talk days, big days on the tools. Go into the servo, Pine Line Maximus. I think it's changed the face of hydration, mate. Changed the face of hydration. One liter, not here to mess around. It's basically going, look, I know what you want and we're going to give it to you, Maximus. So I'm going to put it out there. The Maximus, it ain't for athletes. You know, Gatorade, Powerade, they advertise themselves for athletes. If you've had a big night on the lash with the boys and you wake up in the morning, your mate's going for a survey run, you say, get us a Gatorade. He comes back with a litre of Maximus. I mean, he's going in the ballot for Australian of the Year. You're that impressed by it. It's changed your life that significantly. Basically, your mate has read the room. He's gone, you don't need it because you need electrolytes for athletic performance. You need it because you need a tasty drink that's going to try and take your mind away from this stinking hangover that you've got. Yeah, wow. Don't give your 500 mils of Gatorade or Powerade. Give them a litre of Maximus. Change the face of hydration. 30-degree days for tradies. It's a Maximus. You're opening my eyes here because I always thought the Maximus was a little bit of the no, uh, the home brand or the no frills. Look, it's it's all about size, yeah. and uh, no matter what people will say, size does matter. Yeah. Um, you know, take it as you as you can and run with that. But I think the Maximus has nailed their target audience. Uh, second thing, mate, to catch my eye, and I need to throw out a massive apologies to any of our Arsenal fans out there, that I um, I had a, a slip of tongue last week. I referred to Tony Adams as the Romford Pele, and I'm, I need to be uh, abundantly clear that it's actually Ray Parler. Mm. Ray Parler was the Romford Pele. Um, Ray Parler not in the Hall of Fame nominations, but we'll clear that up. Ray Parler was the Romford Pele. But an interesting fact about Ray Parler, Potty, he got absolutely hammered in a divorce settlement. And now his case is often 
used as a precedent with high-flying divorce cases in Ooh, the UK. That doesn't sound fantastic to him. Yeah, no, it was it was bad. Yeah. So a lot of the solicitors and those legal representatives going in will earmark that case as a precedent. So he had, in the fallout of it, he was ruled to require to pay one-third of his future salary to his ex-wife as well because she needed to build a bit of a nest egg. (laughs) So now obviously that has changed the face of divorce settlements in the UK, but it's often referred to as the the parlour ruling. So he had his pants pulled down in his divorce and um, he swiftly retired after that, unfortunately. (laughs) So I mean, I think he saw the writing on the wall. But uh, speaking of, of divorce, mate, one of the best offenders in the league, uh, Ashraf Hakimi of PSG, he's formerly of Real Madrid, so a handy player. He's only a young fella, 24. I mean, he's de- demonstrated a positional masterclass. Hakimi is currently moving through a divorce settlement with actress and social media icon Hebra Book. A book has made claims for half of Hakimi's assets. But as they went through it, she was only to find out that he's got nothing. It's all in his mum's name. <laughs> so Mama Hakimi has come in with the Nathan Cleary clutch play at the end and she has just swept him away. She's got all the assets, all these wages, everything goes in to his mother's accounts. So unfortunately his wife is walking away with nothing. I mean, she's got a social media career and she's an actress so she's not singing for their supper but uh yes i mean masterclass game set and match mama hakimi there yeah wow well that's um that's premeditated though isn't it he's um, you would think so yeah he's um maybe some trust issues there from the beginning yeah well the fact that uh yeah look full disclosure he has been uh, arrested on suspicions of sexual assault means that things oh. aren't going too great for the hakimi so yeah, chin up, champion. Uh, I think you've got bigger battles to fight. Uh, another great divorce war story, mate, before we leave it. Um, and talking about, you know, having a good game plan and premeditation. I've heard of this story about a high-flying New York businessman. He got wind that his wife was having an affair. So, you know, they've gone through, they've had a bit of a break, and then they reconciled their differences briefly. But he still wasn't too happy about it, as you can imagine. Mm. You know, he was a bit... You know, this isn't, this isn't what it used to be. So anyway, during the time that they had reconciled, he'd gone around to all the biggest and best law firms in the state of New York and had a cup of coffee with them and sat down and had a chat and just sort of, you know... Every one of them. Every single one of the high-flying ones. So all the best in the business. He did his research. Then he decided that enough's enough and he broke it off with his wife. So when she went into all the different law firms around to try and carve this bloke up for what he's worth, they all had a conflict of interest and they couldn't work with her. And it's cost him him a coffee. It's cost him a cup of coffee and he's gone around and he's basically gone and just had this chat and he knows well and truly what he's doing. But then... When she's gone to find herself some legal representation, they've checked the door and went, oh, no, sorry, we've got a conflict of interest here. That is premeditated and that is a stitch up. So on the positive side of marriages, though, mate, I was discussing the stream of the week uh, from our last episode with my wife. And this is an absolute... Cool, yeah. Yeah, mate, this is an absolute pisser. So I was talking about it. I said, oh, 
you know, stream of the week. It was about Indian match fixing. And she just goes, oh, I've seen that. And I was thinking, <laughs> well, hold on a second. Has the algorithm had a seizure? <laughs> well, how has my wife come along and come across the Indian match fixing documentary? So anyway, clearer heads prevailed after a bit of peeling back of the layers of the onion, mate, because she said, oh, no, no, it was actually a matchmaking reality show. It was <laughs> Indi- Indian matchmaking uh, following M- Mumbai love guru Seema Tupari as she helps singles find their perfect match. So oh. that was her version of Indian match fixing. So, so lost her at cricket. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, she was like, oh, I don't remember any cricket in it. I was like, well, uh, not the same documentary we're talking about, <laughs> darling. Uh, finally, mate, Jordan Belfort. Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Great movie. Now... Many of the listeners here, if you're on sort of the same threads as I am, probably seen the ads that he's coming out to Australia for a speaking tour. And I looked at these ads, mate, and I went, do I need to go? I mean, I've seen The Wolf of Wall Street. He ripped people's off yeah. <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars. What's, what's going on here? In the, in the advertisement, it says, uncover the hidden blueprint of Belfort's sales techniques. Again, is this theft we're talking about? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, wasn't that uncovered um, from a legal standpoint? Absolutely. Doesn't he still owe millions of dollars? <laughs> so tap in the mindset of a Wall Street titan. If he's talking yarns about benders and quaaludes, it's pretty intriguing. But surely we can, can't be learning how to ruin hardworking people's lives. <laughs> Australia, we need to be better. It is like OJ Simpson doing a world tour, providing marriage advice. Oh, OJ. Okay. <laughs> How to get out of a marriage scot-free. <laughs> if the glove don't uh, fit. <laughs> oh, you must have quit. Absolutely unbelievable. Jordan Belfort, mate, we've seen the movie. Take a like. Yeah. Thanks, mate. You've had your minute. Mate, what do you reckon? Bit of NRL? Bit of NRL, mate. The rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here. Okay, so how'd you go with match of the round, mate? You you had down for your match of the round, Sharks versus Roosters? Mate, I had the Sharks and Roosters. I thought the Sharks were good for their win. Um, it wasn't ending up it, out of the matches that I watched. It wasn't my match of the round in the end. But I think I, what I really struggled with was the Sharks played well, deserving of the win, but the sin bins at the end were a bit anticlimactic. You know, the Roosters were, you know, challenging and there was looked like we we're going to get a good Good end to the game, but the cheese got sin binned. Um, yeah. Yeah. What'd just... you make of the cheese of sin binning? Uh, oh, I, yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. It was very typical of what we've been getting this yeah. year. I mean, you can't complain with that, but it's soft, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a bit of a problem for the Roosters at the moment with the amount of sin bins that they're getting, uh, especially yeah, on definitely. Victor Radley. Seems to be a bit... Yeah, well, we talked about that last episode about Victor's sort of... Red you know, Yeah, just his, his you know, decision-making at the time. But, yeah, I mean, discipline is an issue for the Roosters. And at this point in time in the season, you know, where we're anticipating that they will get going, you know, that's not going to help them. I did hear, though, last week they had um, Tupanua, um, Dylan Napa, Nathan Brown... And Angus Crichton all in reserve grade, so, yeah, so got I've, some depth there. I'm hearing that Crichton will play this week. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's not the only thing. I'm also hearing that Sam Walker won't play. 
Yeah, that's big is, news, yeah. isn't it? Sam Walker missing out. He's been in the side for ooh, two and a half years now, and and basically yeah. he's been someone who he's been, he's done really well from my money. But I, I think a lot of us expected him to be a little bit further on um, than he is at the moment. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, it's a bit of a mixture, you know. I'm not for one second saying that I have a better judgment than Trent Robinson, but. You know, if you've gone this far down the path, is it going to do him any favours dropping him back to reserve grade? Or is it better to, you know, focus on those, you know, key indicators week to week and then just keep him in the fire, you know? Can I suggest that it's less about Sam Walker and more about getting Joey Manu's hands on the ball in a 5-8? Golden boot, uh, boot winner last year, he... um. Uh, absolutely killed it at fullback for the Kiwis in the World Cup. Yep. And unfortunately, the way the game seems to be going for them, he sits out in the centres at the moment and barely touches the ball. So maybe it's as much about, or if not more, about him getting his hands on the ball rather than um, kicking Sam Walker to the side. I think you raise a, a good point there, mate. Um, you know, and especially when you've got Keary, who can play that seven role. I mean, it's a, it's a trick up your sleeve, and that's what they're looking at, obviously, playing this week. Yeah. Mate, you had uh, the store manly, mate. The yeah. the bruiser of Brookvale. Oh, the bruiser of Brookvale. What was your take on that, mate? Did they, Was that your, your match of the round? Did it live up to expectations? Yeah, it was a very good match. I must admit, I didn't think manly would get them done. I did find it a strange move that they moved Munster to fullback, given how... Uh, given how um, well, he'd been playing in his usual position of five out. Now I know they're a bit short on troops. Papenhausen's obviously still out. Nick Meany um, was out as well. But yeah, sometimes I just don't know. And once again, no, I wouldn't suggest that I know a little bit more about football than Craig Bellamy. And but sometimes I don't. He can kick a chair. Yeah, he can kick a chair. Sometimes I just don't understand the idea of weakening two positions. To try and strengthen. Yeah, see, I, I didn't mind the idea. I thought that uh, Munster would still be able to play a similar role at one. Um, yeah, and obvi- obviously um, with young Pezzett taking a bit more of a kicking role and, and Munster just playing that, that that ball player out the back. But yeah, obviously, but I, I mean, I can't go past Manly. Manly were, I mean, they absolutely hammered him in defense and they they turned up there was there was no denying that it was it was a cracking game mm. and last week i tipped turbo to fire and don't get me wrong he played very well but i think the most impressive thing about manly is he fitted well and played very well within that team um i suppose structure and format and so if manly were going to win i was going to expect him to get six dally m points and be the best player on the field by an absolute mile and have five tries but he was just excellent without being um, ridiculously um, over the top as far as his form was concerned. So and I think that's a positive for Manly. I think the and I think the forward pack were the reason why the shine was probably taken from Turbo. Yeah, was the fact that the forward pack they stepped up, they played brilliantly. They did, and it'll be interesting to see if they can do it week to week because they did something very similar against Parramatta back in round three. They came out and they absolutely belted the Parramatta forwards. Yep. Uh, they were a lot better defensively last weekend than they were in that round. They they, they won, but they still leaked um, 30 points. I guess the big thing for Manly will be, can they do it week in, week out? Can they travel away from Brookie? Because they had a full crowd there. Yeah, it was a, the scene was set for yep. them to, to perform in the way they did. Absolutely, mate. The Dolphins and the Rabbits, um, I thought it was a good tussle initially. Um, they traded blows, you know, until the Bromwich Symbion, which was a big shift. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, oh, that was, please. yeah, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he got it wrong. God. He got it wrong, but I mean, you know, and it's one of those ones where you go, is is it just a penalty, or you know, they've obviously they're submitting everything these days, but you know, fair enough. Like oh. if it in conjunction with every other hit that we're getting, there's a bit of head contact there. It was going to be a sim bin. That's fine, but. You know, South run amok with the, the players down. They scored three tries, and, and the game was essentially done after that. Yeah, that's right. And it did sort of feel like South might have been heading towards getting on top, but that was just... Um, <laughs> they didn't need it. They didn't need that. They didn't need I just, that at all. You know, it was wrong. And let me count the ways. He hits him early. He hits him high. It just, you know, it basically... Yeah, I mean, you, you can't... Describe it in no other way than he got that wrong. Yeah, that's like right. it was there was all sorts of wrong, mate. Um, my match of the round, uh, going to the next match was Penrith and Newcastle, mate. So, um, you know, I'd obviously tip the Sharks and the Roosters, but Penrith and Newcastle was a cracking game. Obviously, being a, a one-eyed Penrith fan, uh, I'd have uh, skin in the game on this one, but. I mean, it closely edged out the Battle of Brookvale for me. It was a great game of football. Newcastle were enthusiastic. They turned up to play very similar to what we saw with Manly. Um, You know, in defence, they were really strong. They were solid. Um, You know, it was probably the best game I've seen the Knights play in a long time. Um, You know, what what were your thoughts? Yeah, so it was a really impressive performance from the Knights. I, I didn't see the beginning of the game, and I was just watching it on my phone while I was making my way to the TV, and all of a sudden there were a couple of tries up and it was like whoa here we go what's going on yeah here? They, they got some good momentum early yeah um look they did really well and i've been impressed by a number of their performances throughout the course of this year but then i look at how many um games they've won and i think they've only won three games so far this year which yeah is it probably well they had the draw with manly as well they had the draw with manly yep yeah. yeah. so uh they're very very close to having a really impressive start to the year but unfortunately they're sort of in a little bit of a, a situation where if results don't go their way over the next couple of weeks it could um it, it could their season could turn pear-shaped and they've yeah. had some injuries well that's my concern so i was going to jump in on that is the fact that they've had injuries i'm Concern. My biggest concern after this game is the fact that Newcastle might, you know, psychologically cop a massive hit. Yeah, because they were well and truly in that game. You know, if yeah. they walked away with the two points you gave, deserved. Yeah. But to then not get the two points, lose it in Golden Point, does that then, where you know, how do you pick yourself up next week? That's, that's the big question for the Knights on that because they really played out of their skin. KP tip to make his return. That might yeah. be just the boost that they need. He's been out since round two, so hopefully he's got everything right with his concussions. And and hopefully the way they played over the last month, Jackson Hastings taking control of the team. Lockie Miller absolutely yeah, killing it at the back. Yeah, he's been playing great. Hopefully KP can just come in and just, hey, a bit like you do for Queensland, mate, just be KP. Yeah. Like, Jackson Hastings is going to steer us around. Lockie Miller is going to be the everywhere you, man. You, you pick just, your times. You just put yourself where you think you need to be to be Kalen Ponga. Yeah. yeah. So we might. This might be something. Um, KP's time, isn't it? Well, you'd hope so, mm. um, mate. What about the, the Ice Man? <laughs> Cleary, mate. It's. I mean, we've come to expect it from Nathan Cleary now, which is which appears very arrogant as a Penrith fan. And yep, call it arrogant, call it whatever we want. He he. Kick the field goal and we won. So there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but 
Look, mate, I think the biggest thing for me with that was the first feel goal attempt, you know, and this is what absolutely drives me bananas, is the referee called three times, and this, you know, you could go, you know, shut up, Grego, pull your head in, Penrith won, get a grip. But the frustrating thing for fans was the fact that Hastings was called three times by the referee. He was at marker, he wasn't square, and you heard the referee call it, Hastings, you're off. Hastings, you're off. Hastings, you're off. Cleary misses the fell goal. Hastings was closing him down. Yep. So in any other part of the game, that's a penalty. But for some reason, the referees are just completely reluctant to pull the trigger when there's a game on the line like that. Yeah, don't want to make a decision. That don't want to make it. De- absolutely not. And because they look at it from the wrong point point of view they look at it as i don't want to make a decision that's going to cost the team the game no no their actions is what's costing the game absolutely that's a penalty so what happens after that is they go down the other end and tyson gamble hits a a cracking field goal you know it was just the way the things played out penrith grit their teeth they go down they level it up and then they win it in golden point but you know, it's just, it's really, really frustrating as a fan when you look at that and you go, that's a clearly a penalty, you know, and you can't just go, well, no, because of the circumstances and it would have cost them the game, we're not going to blow, we're not willing to blow the whistle and call it a penalty. That's absolute bullshit. And you it wasn't the only example in that, that game either. Well, um, you know, we're talking about the, the elbow, yeah, well, Lachlan Fitzgibbon clips Nathan Cleary on the way through, and that was when he actually got the field goal. So, with that one too, is people will jump straight away and they go, oh, that was a dive. Was it a dive? Absolutely, it was a dive. Lachlan Fitzgibbon... Just don't touch Give him. yourself an uppercut. Ab- like, if you are Adam O'Brien, you are going, what is going on in your head to think that he has just kicked it to go through to clip him like that, the way the referees are carrying on, to think that that is an intelligent move, see that wall over there, go and bash your head against it 43 times, mate. Well, I could not believe that something more didn't come of that. He's actually pretty lucky that he's not spending a couple of weeks on the sideline for that. Which would have been soft, but it's consistency. It's what we've actually seen. It was just, I couldn't believe it. It was so dumb, you know. And it happens week in, week out when we... Well, not week in, week out, but time after time when we have these golden point games or these games that are going down to the wire and teams are deliberately bending the rules, if not blatantly breaking them, and referees won't make a call on them because they don't want to be the one who costs... And and an example of that is that they were very quick to eradicate the the shielding of the field goal. You know, so when the players, the forward pack, would line up to block the markers from cutting it down, the referees quickly jumped on that and said, you can't do it, we're going to penalise you. Well, if you're going to jump on it like that, you need to go the other way, mate, and actually blow a penalty when a player who's at marker is called three times for being offside and still closes down the field goal. Yeah. Like, it works both ways. You can't just go, oh, well, we're going to clamp down on that because it's easy. And on the other side, we might cost someone a game. So, oh, look, we're going to pretend that one didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, Warriors-Cowboys, mate. The Warriors are rolling and picking up some really good wins. I, I, I know the Cowboys, um, you know, we've what had some questions about What is going on in Cowboy Town? 
yeah, I, I, I don't know, mate. I don't know. I, yeah. So are they that bad this year, um, or were they was their form last year exaggerated? Because I made the comment at the end of last year when they were absolutely killing it and they were storming home, and everyone was saying, "Oh, look at this team! It's going to beat everyone." The media was on it. Everyone loved it. They were leaking twenty four points a game. I did the math at the end of last year and they averaged something like 15 points in the first 16 rounds and then 24 points in the last eight rounds. So perhaps their form last year was a little bit exaggerated and their form this year is they've had some injuries, but maybe Mm. it's closer to where they're really at. Um, Yeah, possibly. I mean, you know, I I thought um, last year Tommy... He was in, you know, he was in red hot form. You know, coming out of the back end of the Origin mm. series, he was really, really good. Um, you know, I haven't really seen much of him. Um, they lost the hammer. You know, the hammer was a, a spark there for them. Um, would you say that he's a difference maker in terms of their form? No. Um, yeah, I mean, am I just reaching out for excuses for the Cowboys here? It seems that way, but they just maybe is it what we discussed last week people know who the Cowboys are I'm the one thing that really surprises me especially with the Todd Payton coach side is they're not as defensively resilient as they were last year Hmm. you know they're not bashing teams and they're not really really tight in the guts you know which they you know when you look at the the style of football that Todd Payton plays but also too who Todd Payton was coached by as a player and who he did his apprenticeship under as coach as a coach you would expect them to be far more defensively sound this year than what they are yep well it is fairly early in the season but I'll put it out there if they don't beat Newcastle at home this week they're gone they're gone they're done they're they're riding them off lying through them lying through them the Broncos class shone through, mate, in the uh, South Queensland Derby. Yeah. Um, I think eventually the, the Titans, you know, they made a good account of themselves. Um, but I think the quality just isn't there for the Titans, and that really was the difference. When you look at the type of game that Adam Reynolds had, mm. you're just in steering the ship. You know, I, I think that was the big difference there. Yeah, I've been really impressed by the Titans this year. I think they're come a long way the injection of Kieran Foran uh, has provided them a little bit of stability a little bit of experience in the halves uh, Sam Verrills as well at hooker and I know yeah. both of them have spent some time out AJ Kieran Foran and Sam Verrills all out so they've had their injuries in their yeah. spines in their spine um, but this game the Broncos just hung with them until the Titans ran out of puff for me Mo Fodawaka yeah. was an absolute beast in the first half they got really unlucky with a try that was scored right on half time, and after that, they just didn't look like they—they they looked like they'd run themselves empty. Mm. And it, and it makes it difficult for the Titans too when the Broncos have got someone like Reese Walsh, who is an—I'll put it out there—you know—he's an absolute joy to watch when he's in full flight. He is. You know, he's a decent body. Like I might not a, say that this Friday, mate. But well, I mean, and look, let's be very clear here on the sports detention. Reese Walsh is actually known as Sexy Eyes. <laughs> he is. So, he is. Um, that is had a, has been forwarded through to us from our one of our famous Broncos supporters. But Reese Walsh is to be only uh, known by as Sexy Eyes here on the uh, on the Sports Detention podcast. 
Um, but he's a big body, and when he hits the line at speed, old sexy eyes, I mean, it is a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, the last try that he set up for Ezra Mann, like he just was swatting them off like flies. And pace and size, it was it was pretty. Will he play Origin? Uh, I, I think so. This I, year? Yeah, I think so. I think um, just due to the fact that Pong has had the knocks that he's had, mm. I think he's he's definitely well within a shout. Um, if he does not play Origin, it would be because Ponga plays. And if Ponga plays, he's probably going to have to really, you know, to go into that cauldron, he's going to have to show some resilience in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think KP will probably play based on what he did in Game 3 last year. And I think that uh, Walsh may well get a turn because... He'll, he'll be in the squad regardless. Yeah, with injuries so far this year, they've been pretty pretty intense for a lot of clubs. And mm. with the new interpretation or change to the rules as far as concussions are concerned, I can't see them playing the same side the entire way through. It's going to be interesting, yeah, I, I think for both sides. You know, the fact mm. that keeping players fit for a whole series is going to be a different ball game mm. now. Especially if you're Selwyn Cobbo and you decide to run... <laughs> at the opposition and try and make a tackle with your forehead. Yes, well, that's not that's not how I was taught as a youngster coming through. Well, apparently, according to Selwyn, Kevy hasn't coached him well enough. <laughs> well, I did hear that. Raiders-Dragons, mate. The Raiders are picking up some much-needed momentum, mate, after a rough start of the season. Is it the Kroger effect, mate? JC... You know, I mean, around Easter time, JC is very prevalent, but uh, the JC of the milk, of the mighty milk down uh, down in Canberra, he has come back and resurrected well. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I, I agree with that. I think it is. And it's not his gameplay as such, even though he tidies them up defensively perhaps a little bit and he, he, he does enough as far as a running game is concerned. He's kicking for goal. He is just absolutely points, nailing yeah. everything. And what that does... If he's nailing three from three and all of a sudden they're up 18-8 instead of 12-8 or 14-8, that allows the club, the players out there, to feel more confident in, in how they're playing. And I really think that he's kicking for goal, and it's not often you say that these days, it's had a huge impact on Oh, man, the it's points. Like, yeah. it's, yeah, you can't deny it's points. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit biased, mate, because I... Jared Croker played so much first grade, and he has had a terrible run in the last two, three years, yeah, maybe, yeah. Of, with injury. Just shocking. I mean, he's nearly at 300 games. Yeah. You know, I think he's 33, 32, 33. Yeah. Like, he is. He was on Menzies' momentum. He was going to play as many games as Steve Menzies there for one, you know, at he's one stage. He going to take the Cameron Smith point-scoring record. Everything was... Mate, so I'm, I'm just stoked to see him back playing NRL football. Because um, yeah, he's a, he's a good. Obviously, appears to be a really good personality. You never never seen any grief from him. So um, yeah, and good I, on I you, read Jared the Croker. other day that he won't play enough games this year to trigger his automatic contract extension for next year. So this may well be it for Jared Croker. So yeah, I mean, it must have been like if he wants to, games in a season. Or something well, if like he wants that. to, if he wants to keep playing, I mean, there'll be a club that'll pick him up, whether it be here or overseas. Mm, I can't see him in any other jersey. Yeah, you couldn't. But um, you would like to think that you know. I mean, if Josh Reynolds has got the dog in him, I mean, surely, well, surely there's enough milk down there in Canberra for for JC to get another run next year. Speaking of the dogs, mate. The Mighty Eels and the Bulldogs, Bay. What do you think? I'm going to let you run with this one as the uh, as the one-eyed Eel. Yeah, really happy with the result from a Parramatta fan point of view. 
Uh, it was an interesting start to the game. They Parramatta came out and had a lot of ball and the Bulldogs turned them away. And then the Bulldogs had a lot of ball and Parramatta were able to turn them away. And then as Parramatta can do at about the 20th minute mark, they hit the go button. Three tries in eight minutes. Really good attacking tries. Really strong. And the game was at 16-0 then. And the Bulldogs struggled to gain back momentum after that. And Parramatta basically just slowly but surely put them away. I was impressed by uh, Big Reg, RCG's game. I yeah, he's, he get, a, he's getting uh, plenty of raps, that's for sure, especially yeah. with the Origin coming up. Yeah, so that will be, I suppose we'll touch on Origin in an upcoming podcast, but that um, it'll be interesting to see whether he gets picked this year. King Gutho does as King Gutho does. He was the everywhere man. Yep. And um, I also have been impressed with Big Wiramu Greg. Yeah, well, we we mentioned him the other the yeah. other week. Um, yeah, he's a he's a big body. Good to have in the pack. Look, I, the way I saw it is for the dogs, um, they're going to need luck this year to get a lot of their wins. Hmm. I think because just due to the fact that they're they're limping, you know, they've got a lot of injuries. Um, they haven't been able to drum up combinations across the park. Um, Burton apparently going to seven this week. Yeah, so a bit of a shift in position there. Well, um, I noticed Kyle Flanagan finished the last 15 minutes last week playing hooker and Reid Marnie was playing halfback. Yeah. Oh. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I I would like to think that Cameron Seraldo has some sort of method to his madness on that one. Maybe it was just getting Burton in there at seven. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, but as I was going back to the point I was making before is they're going to need luck to win some games and they got absolutely none on Sunday. They got no luck. Yeah, so they lost Karaz very early. Um, somebody else was walking around on one leg out there. He was just completely busted as well. And they haven't had a hell of a lot of luck this year. They do need to sign themselves a quality halfback, I think, moving forward. All due respect to Kyle Flanagan. Yeah, um, but there's not many of those about. Well, there's not many at all. And we'll, who would you put out there? Who do they need to go after? What would you do? I mean, it's if you're going to buy a halfback, it's if you're not giving someone a shot from the Super League, you are paying a million dollars. Yeah. And the Bulldogs just haven't got that million dollars. That's where I'm looking at. Well, maybe Matt Burton, the seven, is sort of where they're going because he was a he was a seven. Yeah. You know, go coming through the juniors, um, he was a few year years below Cleary and Luai, so he did play seven. Um, you know, maybe that is the future. It's, I think it's a lot easier to uh, mould yourself a six than, um, than sort of going out shopping for a halfback, that's for sure. But Spencer Lenu, apparently uh, there's talk that he's agreed to terms with the Bulldogs. I mean, maybe him at six. Well. I don't know. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, the, and the big round of applause to the Tigers, mate. They got it done this week. Well Two done, points Tigers. on the board. Uh, they beat the bye. Happy days. It wasn't even close in the end, they say. Yeah. Anyway, um, who got the Dally M points in that one, you reckon, mate? Oh, I reckon the buy probably would have picked up a couple. Uh, Robbie Farrer, I think, might have given himself the three. <laughs> Rightio, mate. What do we got? Anything else that's grabbing us before we get into next week's? Um, hair pulling. You know, it's not something I'm qualified you, to talk about. Are you talking dirty to me, mate? What's going on? <laughs> Usually it's a it's a date and maybe a nice succulent Chinese meal before we get into that sort of talk. <laughs> what about the hair pulling, mate? What have we got? So, uh, Big Gordy Tallis 
has come out on Triple M the other day and he has stated that if you're going to have hair which is below the shoulders, yeah. that if it gets pulled, too bad, so sad. If you're not happy with it, get a haircut. Now, as I was saying, I feel terribly underqualified to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just come off the back of, a, of long hair, mate, and it does get in the way, I, I must admit. But I, I've got to agree with Gordy here. I mean, this is the, uh, the fact that this is a conversation is a manifestation of the fact that referees refuse to adjudicate on intent. Yeah. If it's intentional like, penalty. Like, I mean, how much more simpler does it get? If, like, Jerome Luai running away the other day where he gets pulled by the hair, yeah. if that's a grab, a genuine grab at the jersey and you get his hair, well, you cop that. But when the player's on the ground and you're dragging him to his feet, pretending to help him up, but you're pulling him by his hair, that's probably a little different. That's yeah. intent to pull his hair. I mean, that's that's basically the NRL and our administration tying themselves in knots because they haven't got the testicular fortitude to actually make a call on intent. That's right, and it's frustrating because the average punter, like me and you, like all our fans out there, they sit there and they look at it and go, they, they it and go he's done that on purpose. That's a penalty. Oh, and, it's, and, it's and simple. We do, and we do the same thing with strips. Yeah. So it's frustrating. But that, that certainly caught my attention. Mate, the head knocks... Mm-hmm. Um, if the independent doctor is making players come from the field with head knocks, does this suggest that the the referees have missed head contact? Because they they jump on it. Yeah. Like the referees are all over the head contact. And but there was two instances in the Melbourne Manly game where both Justin Olam and Tommy Trevojevich came off under the advice of the independent doctor. They had been hit on in the head. They had yeah. copped a head knock. The referees missed it. There was no penalty, but they still had to come from the field. So, you know, when we talk about having a black and white ruling on head knocks and when you're so pedantic about it, when this sort of shit goes on, you, it, mate, you're just sitting there just going, well, why isn't it a penalty? If you're going to make them come off because they've obviously been hit with a head knock, why isn't on report? Why isn't, you know, there's some sort of intervention from the referees? Now, Justin Olam. The hit that he copped. Oh. It was a ripper of a hit. But what nobody's talking about is the fact that he was hit right across the beak by the elbow of Oshay Ole. I saw that. It was never even talked about. No. Like, it was a great hit. Let's not take away from that. I loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved every minute of it. And, you know, five years ago, it would have been play on. What a what a solid hit. No intent. No intent. No, no, intent. no. no. Um, would you say careless? Uh, I don't. I think it was an accident. Would you say it was certainly more careless than Marty Tapao's knee last week hitting Jordan Ruffinar in the head? Oh, mate, I'm <laughs> going to go. I'm look, if you, oh, seriously, I'm going to go and lay in the fetal position in a second if you keep this up. <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I just, I feel as though you know, I know it's me being pedantic on the other side, you know, with the shoe on the other foot. But you know, it just, it, I think that's me then looking at. Avoiding intent in terms of your rulings on things and then just, you know, basically going, oh, you know, we'll pick and choose what we're going to, you know, mm. penalise and send people to the bin for. That just shits me to tears. Yeah, I agree 
Um, another thing, mate, do we need to censor Phil Gould? Gussie. Gussie, well, what's your... You know, I mean, everyone's got an opinion of, of Phil Gould, mate. Where are you with that? The need to censor Phil Gould as the head honcho of the Bulldogs speaking out against the NRL. What do you think? Um, oh, well, from an entertainment point of view, I say definitely no. I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I don't think that it needs to be um, censored whatsoever. Great talking points. He is one of the most knowledgeable minds in rugby league. Why would we want to um, censor what he's got to say? Uh, now, is there a conflict of interest between his two jobs? Well, I don't well, know. Yeah, I mean, where yeah. you could you can cherry pick conflict of interest all over the NRL. You yeah. know, Braith and Astor sitting on NRL three hundred and sixty, but also being the player manager of a handful of players yeah. is probably a, a conflict of interest. But at the end of the day, who cares? Yeah. And, and, I, oh. I, what, I, what I do like about Gus is the fact that he gives you an insight from a club's perspective that yeah. nobody else sitting on a desk or in the media can give you. Yeah. You know, because he'll go on the record and he's experiencing it. You know, a lot of the, the hearsay that you get from, from the journalists and the media is, you know, from a source who's told us and, you know, we've got to keep our source quiet and this, that and the other. Gus just puts it out there and tells it how it is. And a lot of the time it is contrary to what the line the nrl is pushing is so but as a fan we should we should harness that we need to value that you know and being able to receive that information 100 percent. i think we need more voices like that um or and you couldn't censor him regardless because all he'd do is tap one of the colleagues on the shoulder and just say hey say this yeah i mean it's one of those things that we we always talk about you know in terms of improving yourself as an individual, you know, you're not going to improve yourself as an individual. And what the NRL does often is goes, well, we're going to fine you if you speak out against us. If you bitch and moan about any of the decisions of our referees, we're going to fine you. If you talk out about any of our judgments on, you know, whether it be integrity issues or anything like that, we're going to fine you. How do you get better, mate? Yeah. How do you get better if you keep shutting the people who are trying to give you some feedback up. Yeah. How do you get better? Yeah. In any industry, in anywhere in the world, as a father, as a you know, a husband, as, you know, an employee, how do you get better? You can't buy if, a toaster these days if, without giving feedback. Oh mate. You know, how do you get better if you're not if you're gonna shut off all the feedback? So NRL, pull your heads in, enjoy the feedback and actually maybe maybe act on it. Maybe listen a bit. Yeah, that might be an idea. <laughs> Oh, oh, what else we got, mate? Golden Point. Golden Point. Gold, oh, what, go, what's that? What's go, why is Golden Point being spoken about again, mate? Oh, uh, Golden Point's the hot topic what's at the, the moment because we've it? had a lot of uh, Golden Point games throughout the course of the early part of this season. What are we, seven, eight rounds in now? And we've seen just about a Golden Point game every single week, I think. And Buzz Rothfield has come out this week and suggested that there might be a better way to... I suppose handle the golden point situation rather than just saying oh so what's the issue is the issue with with the way the matches are playing out or what's what's his his end game with this i think he's um he's suggesting that a team that is even after 80 minutes doesn't deserve to walk away with nothing which is a fair comment yeah where where are you at with this one mate and i'll i'll counter it all right so his idea in a nutshell yep. is um, a winning team in any game of football gets four points. 
which it's two at the moment, so they're yep. going to increase it to four. And a losing team in any game gets zero, except if it goes to golden point. Then if it goes to golden point, yep. the system changes. The winner of golden point will get three points and the loser will get one point. So if you go to golden point, uh, if you go to golden point, you will yeah. you can't get four points for a win anymore. You can get three, or you can get one if you lose it. So the idea is that you don't walk away with anything. So the the conversation you've just had with me is like Shark Tank. Yeah. You know the show Shark Tank. I feel as though that you've come in with a really really good idea. And then you've asked, you've started to explain the funding streams that you need for it, and you've lost me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely lost me. I, I mean, I don't know. With the points, just sounds like a debacle. That so let, let's let's look at where I would vibe with that. Two points for a win, regardless. One point for an overtime loss. So you call it overtime. It's not golden point anymore. So similar to the NHL, that's what they do. So if it goes to a shootout. You get an overtime win, which is the two points, but the team who loses the match still gets one point, as if they've got a draw. That way, you're playing off, essentially, for the bonus point, for the full points. If we were to do that, and I've done the research, and you go back for the last three years, because I I couldn't go back any further, I've got a life, there would be no positional changes in the NRL ladder. So what's the point? So the point is, is entertainment. So entertainment, you get the one point for losing. However, let's not change the point systems and go, oh, we'll be happy with that. Let's change golden point. Let's call it overtime. If you, similar to the NFL, score a try, game over. If you kick a field goal, the opposition then gets a set of six tapping from the 20 to try and respond to that field goal. So if you think about it, they've still got the one point anyway. So they're going, well, if we get this field goal, we keep going and we try and play off for the two. If we score a try and we just throw caution to the win, we've already got one point. Let's throw caution to the win. Let's throw the ball around. They've bashed us for the first three tackles. We're on our own 30 and it's the third tackle. Let's throw the ball around. Let's have some fun. Could you think of that from an entertainment perspective as being something that we could vibe with? Yeah, I, I still don't love it. I, I I get your point from an entertainment point of view. I loved the... I never thought there was a problem with a draw after 80 minutes if you or even. It's a draw. But Go, I understand. Golden point's not going anywhere. No, it's not you going know, anywhere. It's, it's not going anywhere. So for me, I like the idea of... I love the NFL style. If you score a touchdown, it's game, set, match. You've done it. Yeah. But if you kick a field goal, then the opposition gets a right of response to that field goal. Definitely on board with that. I definitely think that they could make changes as far as that is concerned. I just don't like the idea of um, if you win, you win, and if you lose, you lose. You get all the points or you get none yeah, of the points. Yeah, see, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, put it out there and go, oh, well, that, I'm not going to move from that. The, the, as I've said to you, the, it wouldn't change anything from a table's yep. perspective in the points anyway. So I think my real area where I think we could, we could springboard Golden point is it's not golden point, it's overtime. And you get a right of response on field goals. 
And, you know, could you imagine a team kicks a field goal, the other team takes a tap, has two plays, makes a break down the gut, scores a try and actually wins the game where all the other team had to do was defend out that set. Like, it's... That's entertainment for me. It certainly is entertainment. My only other thought from this point of view was the reason it was brought up. It was brought up this week because people felt sorry for Newcastle. If Penrith had lost in Golden Point and Newcastle had won and got the two points, would this even have made the papers? Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, it's like when I, you know, was running the 100 metres at the Athletics Carnival back in, you know, 97, and I came second. I mean, there was no campaign on Fox Sports for me to, you know, (laughs) change the rules because, you know, we feel sorry for this poor little sod for coming second. (laughs) That's not how it works. I get that. But, um, yeah, so I'm not wholly sold on the the points change, but I would definitely love an overtime. I'd love the, the, the idea of a rider response on a field goal. That'd be great. So, mate, um, final little thing, Jack Whiten. He's retiring from representative football. Didn't expect that one. No, I'd also like to announce my retirement from representative <laughs> football because that's where I think it's sort of at. Was Jack Whiten actually even going to play Origin this year? He's had a, had a pretty rough start of the year. He can't get his contract sorted. So, Well, before we get into that, I'd also like to announce my retirement from professional golf. I won't be participating anymore. Oh, so, well. Big weekend this weekend on the, on the tee, mate. Don't worry about that. Um, um, yeah, so, I mean, he wasn't likely getting a look in for the origin, but I think the bigger issue here is his contract situation, where mm. he's basically, you know, there's talk that, you know, he's going to, he wants to go to Queensland and the Dolphins are looking like likely his destination and he's going to actually take less money than he'd get at the Raiders yep. because he wants to win a premiership. He's retiring from representing football because he wants to win a premiership. What does that tell the Raiders if yeah. you're saying, well, I'm going to retire from representative football, but I'm going to go to the Dolphins because I'm more likely to win a premiership there. Yeah. You know, that's... I mean, that's hard to swallow for the Raiders as an organisation. Oh, without a doubt. That's definitely a kick in the guts for all the... that They put a lot of money, a lot of time into him. He hasn't been without his dramas off the field and they've stood by him as well. So... Yeah. And I mean... You've got to look after yourself. I know it's a, it's a business and loyalty, it doesn't have to exist with the players anymore. Loyalty no. is for the fans, um, or at least it should be. And I, But yeah, I, what, it's, what not if, a great, it's not a great move. What if but. I pose this question to you? If I'm the Dolphins and I'm the football manager, for some reason I'm in a higher position than Wayne Bennett, that is extraordinary, but anyway... <laughs> And Jack Whiten wants to sign for my club. He wants to be my marquee signing. But he's also saying that he wants to retire from representative football. I don't like that. You don't like it? No. Because I want my marquee signing to be challenging himself to play at the highest level of football. You don't want to sign a player that's representative quality but is going to be available to you for twenty all rounds of the year? Iron sharpens iron. You know, I want him in those arenas. You know, some of the greatest football Cameron Smith ever played was in his later 30s playing representative football before he packed it in. Yeah. I, I'm looking at it more from the, the mentality of him. If he signs for my club and is coming up here going, I'm winning a premiership, I'm like, well, that's a lot of trust to put in that one basket champion. 
Yeah. You know, go and be a footballer. You know, yes, we'll try and collectively as a group win that premiership, but, you know, to retire from representative football and chase that one goal, you know, it is a big goal, but, I, you know, I don't like the mindset that surrounds that. Yeah. I want a player who goes, I'm, ch- I'm, you know, chomping at the bit to play week in, week out and give me a game on a Wednesday as well. Yeah, well, that's a really interesting um, or a different way of looking at it than I was looking at it. I just thought the coach would probably be, no, that's fantastic. You're available 26 rounds a year. I mean, a a physio department and a, you know, a a health and well-being department or a sports science area would go, yeah, that's good. That's going to manage loading. But, I mean, coach, you know, football's up in the brain. You know, football is, is what do you want and how bad do you want it? You know, especially when it comes to winning premierships and playing at the highest level. So, mate, next round, what do we got? All right, so we got the Rabbits versus Panthers. Ooh, that'd be a good one. Eels versus Bronx. Bulldogs versus Sharks. Cows versus the Knights. Dolphins versus the Titans. The Tigers versus the Seagulls. Roosters versus Dragons. Storm versus Warriors. And Ricky's Raiders get the bye this week. Two points. Two Easy points. two points, mate. What's your match of the round? Mate, I am looking forward to the Battle of Southeast Queensland. Ooh, Titans versus one. Dolphins. I've loved the Queensland teams facing each other this year. I thought there's been some absolute cracking matches. Started off with the Broncos versus the Cowboys. Um, Broncos-Dolphins was an absolute cracker as well. Titans-Cowboys. And obviously the Titans versus the Broncos last week as well. I think it's going to be a cracking game and both teams will need the win after failing to get the W last week even though they had some really good performances. Mm. Um, got me thinking throughout the course of the season could all four of the Queensland clubs um, play for the title of Queensland's best? Maybe a Queensland Cup. So keeps crowds interested. Um, maybe... Uh, the Queensland government could put up a, a winner's bonus for the team that wins the Queensland really? Cup. Oh. And I just thought about it from a marketing point of view. Sometimes if you've got the Titans versus the Cowboys late in the season and nobody's really going to it because they've both faded out, I maybe li- it I like the, interesting. I like your thinking. Um, I mean, I don't know about the prize money coming from the government. Maybe they could offer some tolls. Oh, sorry. Or... I didn't mean the Queensland government. <laughs> I meant the um, the um, uh, Queensland Rugby League. Oh, the QRL. Yeah, the QRL, not the government. Oh, there, might be, there might be a meat tray on offer then. <laughs> um, look, mate, I, I think that's maybe something we'll look at down in the future when they talk about a divisional thing mm. or conference idea. Um, you know, I... A few matches and a few, especially around Anzac Round and the like, um, the Charity Shield, different games have, you know, the Arthur Beetson Cup and the like. There's different games with those trophy feel about it. I mean, I've, yeah, unless there was some, some cold hard cheddar on offer, I don't think many of the many of the fans are going to buy in. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it has, there has to be some sort of big incentive for it to, to really take off. But, I mean, I think it's pretty healthy. Queensland Rugby League at the moment, especially compared to this time last year, you know, with the Broncos doing well, the Dolphins starting well, Titans actually, you know, showing some fortitude despite a lack of of quality, Um, and I mean, the Cowboys are probably the only blip in that, so, yeah, but, I mean, ideas are good. Ideas are good, keep us us moving forward. What about you, mate? What's your prediction? I've got the uh, Storm, the Warriors, mate. It's always a really good Anzac game, this one. 
um, the Warriors got a pretty good, you know, they've got a good record against Melbourne historically, uh, probably less so in recent times. But, um, yeah, and the Warriors have been pretty good early in the season. So, you know, in the past have been a thought in Melbourne's side. I think, you know, it could be a, another good Anzac game. Um, and it's usually played down in, down in Melbourne. So, yeah, there'll be plenty of Kiwis out there supporting the Warriors as well. So it's usually a good game. So I'll be looking forward to that one. Yep, and another test for the Warriors who, as you mentioned, have started really well. And Sean Johnson, who's been killing it. Yes. Rightio, mate. Let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, that's it for the footy. Let's go to the stream of the week. All right. So stream of the week, we looked at Lewis... Capaldi, how I'm feeling now. You've heard of Lewis Capaldi, mate? <laughs> mate, I hadn't heard of Lewis Capaldi until you flicked me the text. I, I mean, I did go through the my Netflix library and then there was this, you know, bloke standing, <laughs> taking a selfie in his underwear and his I was like, grandies. oh, gee, looks like he's... Um, I don't know where they've pulled him out of. Must uh, set me up for you. But anyway, so uh, yeah, I hadn't heard of of Lewis Capaldi, but as soon as a few of his uh, a few of his tunes started reverberating through the speakers, I was like, oh, I know this guy. What do you think about him, mate? Well, mate, I had heard of him, and I first heard of Lewis Capaldi singing on a playlist I found on Spotify that was for my wife while she was going through labour for our second child. Did your wife watch this documentary with you? She did. Did she have contractions? <laughs> was there some sort there of mind no, memory connection? There was no sort of <laughs> Vietnam flashback sort of. Oh, mate. Um, there are, but while, we, while I was listening to Lewis, um, I was singing along and I was thinking, geez, this bloke can, um, this bloke can really sing. And I asked my wife at the time what she thought about um, what she thought. Him, she was slightly less enthused by his singing talents at the time. Well, then, you know. Fair enough. But back to the doco, I found it a great watch. Fantastically refreshing and honest from Lewis's perspective. And yeah, the I, I got that too, mate, yeah. Yeah, and the challenges that he faces as a global superstar, someone who sort of rose to global superstardom basically overnight. Yep. Um, a young fellow who still lives with his um, folks, or at least he had to move back in with his folks um, when COVID hit. Yeah. And um, the, the challenges and the pressures that he actually faced after lighting the world up with his number one album to begin to start his career and then trying to back that up and um you know but it was quite inspiring honest and brave and um the stuff that he shared um i would have loved to have heard him singing a little bit more in it like that's just if i'm picking it if i'm picking at it but picking a pieces what's the rating mate i gave it an eight and a half out of ten that's that's good i thought it was well worth a watch Look, I, as I mentioned before, I had no idea when you threw out Lewis Capaldi. I was like, oh, I don't know who that bloke is. But then I saw him in, in the on the screen. I went, oh, hold on a second, what's this? But, um, I mean, he's got some real bangers, mate. He's a great voice. Um, I think it was a really good documentary. And I think for, you know, especially you know, young minds and the like who look at it and go, oh, gee, I want to be famous. You go, oh, be careful what you wish for, you know, yep. because it was... Yeah, we're talking about a guy with immense talent who, you know, if you asked him what would he rather be doing, he's like, oh, no, I'd much rather be at home. Yeah. I'd much rather be, you know, just sitting in my studio making good music and not having to do any of this bullshit. I found it hard to watch when he was really struggling at times. Like, you could see him physically struggling. I found that, um, you know, interesting, but, you know... 
it was really brave of him to open himself up the way he did. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's always I think that's what uh, from my the outside looking in when I looked at a lot of the fan response to him was the fact that that's what made him so popular in the first place because he yeah. was so upfront and so honest and you know that was what you see is what you get with him so I think that he, that came through really well um, and obviously the challenges that he's faced you know that are well documented in it I mean that's only going to be positive for those who might be having those issues with self-doubt and mental health and the like. So, 100%. yeah, I, I thought it was a cracker. Um, you know, very, very interesting. Um, it'd be interesting a few years down the track. He's obviously now been diagnosed with, with Tourette's because um, his tick was coming along a fair bit in, in the um, with his anxiety around it, so around the documentary. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to, to revisit it in a couple of years as well. 8-1 for me, mate. 8-1, which, which is yeah. a good score. Well, both given it score. over eight, so that's, that's impressive. So go and check that one out. That's uh, Lewis Capaldi, How I'm, How I'm Feeling Now, and it's it's a cracker. Um, definitely one if you've um, if you got The Bride with you or, yeah. um, you know, a bit of Netflix and Only chill. goes about an hour and a half. Yeah, yep. just over an hour. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely worth a look. So, mate, um, without further ado, let's go and get into the round ball, eh? Sounds good, sounds good. Premier League. What do you got for us, mate? Villa mate, versus Newcastle. Villa versus Newcastle. So we talked about it last week. Um, Unai Emery. Villa, how they're going with Unai Emery. Um, you know, they've blown the top four race open with their current form. Um, after sacking Steven Gerrard earlier in the year, they could now qualify from the Champions League, something they've never achieved in the current format. So, I mean, Emery, I had a, a message from a mate through the other day saying, oh, you know, Chelsea would be mad if they're not looking at Unai Emery. I think Unai Emery would be mad if he looked at Chelsea. I yeah. think he's doing a great job where he is at Villa. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they they keep uh, keep chugging along the the villains, mate. Um, so a big win over Newcastle. Newcastle dropped, you know, three points in the top four race, which um, but they weren't the only other team to do that. Uh, with Tottenham also dropping some points, mate. Um, they got beaten by the Cherries, Bournemouth. So Spurs, they certainly know how to piss their fans off, mate. <laughs> They certainly know how to piss their fans off. Um, you know, Bournemouth pick up a massive three points, but Spurs, they look like they're doing a great job of playing themselves out of Champions League contention. It was a, it was a really good game, though, mate. Um, what about your, your Toffees, mate? How'd they go? Oh, mate, Toffees, no good this week. Um, so they lost to Fulham 3-1. Um, just, Fulham just... aren't a bad side, though. You know, it's I, I think they've played really well this year. Yeah, so watching the game, from from a Toffee's point of view, they had plenty of opportunities again. But as you spoke about last week, just couldn't seem to find the class or the touch just mm. to put it in the in the back of the net. Just a whisker out, a you know, just slightly mistimed. They had plenty of opportunities. Form had plenty of opportunities as well that they probably. Um, uh, could have made the score even worse as well, but yeah, I mean, 
I I still am standing by, even though they're sitting on the cusp of the relegation zone. I, I think there's, there's got to be some form. Um, on the bright side, you know, glass half full for Everton fans. I think one of the methods to their madness in picking up Sean Dyche is the fact that if they do get relegated, help them, he is the manager that will take them back straight back up. You know, you can't deny that. He's got championship experience. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I believe that's probably why they went down that avenue. Um, but I still see them sneaking out. Um, the, the issue for them, though, is the fact that those around them are starting to pick up points, i.e. Bournemouth, Crystal Palace and the like. So, uh, yeah, a bit concerning for, for the Toffees, mate. Mate, um, oh, it certainly is. What about... um. Chelsea versus Brighton. Poor old Frankie Lampard. Frank the Tank, mate. He has walked in to a shredder. If he's a, a piece of crisp white A4 paper and he has taken on the job of Chelsea manager on an interim basis that has... He's gone straight through that shredder. He can't get a win. Um, well, they're an absolute basket case, mate. They've, they've lost again this morning in the Champions League as well. But, um, you know, to lose, Brighton are a good side. Well, if their fans are anything to go by, he's getting sacked on Monday, Frank, Frankie Lampard. So. How, many, how many more managers can they sack this year? <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, he is not the one to blame for this, Frank Lampard. Obviously, he's just doing his team, his ex-team as a player a solid by coming back to the end of the year. But, that, mate, they're an absolute uh, shit show, the old, uh, the old Chelsea. Um, Brighton... They play in the FA Cup this week against uh, United. So as a United fan, they're a, it's a bit of a concern because they're, they're coming in with red-hot form, mate. So, yeah, I've, I mean, Chelsea, I, I don't see where their next win's coming from at the moment, which is, is pretty sad considering the roster they've got. Um, Wolves-Brentford, so the Wolves keep rolling on, mate. They picked up the points 2-0. Uh, Man City and City, they, they're cranking through the gears now. Um you know, if we're we're looking at them snapping at the heels of Arsenal, who we'll get into in a minute, I mean, they, they're looking ominous. Uh, but before we do that, mate, I want to jump into Southampton versus Palace. The great Roy Hodgson, who has taken over from Patrick Vieira on an interim basis, a la Frank Lampard, till the end of the year, he has absolutely changed the fortunes of Palace. You know, I don't think pa- uh, Vieira is a bad manager, and he'll get another good job for sure. But Palace have had a bounce under Hodgson. Three wins in a row. Roy Hodgson, 75 years of age. 75 years of age. Roy Hodgson at 75, Potty, what are you doing at 75 years of age? Oh, mate. Um... Are you managing a Premier League football team? Oh, I'm not doing much besides just getting by, I reckon. Just he's, day he's to day. Fourth, his fourth decade in management. At the top level. Look, when I think of 75, mate, I think of KT26 shoes, Dunlops. I think of grandkids chilling out, bathrobe and slippers. Lawn bowls? Lawn bowls, absolutely. Regular colonoscopies. Golf and the RSL specials board. Oh. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking at 75. Roy Hodgson's out here... Managing world-class footballers and doing it bloody well. So hats off to Roy Hodgson, 75 years, out, years of age. We are seeing a couple of plus 70 coaches in the NRL at the moment. So. Well, I mean, one's doing all right and the other, 
does he even know what he's doing? <laughs> well, um, well Timmy West Ham, Arsenal, mate. We'll get into that one now. So massive draw points for Arsenal. Um, you know, 2-0 up in the first 20 minutes and they were looking like champions elect, mate. Um, they dropped their intensity for the second week in a row, but, conceding two-goal lead in that second week. Well, the goal for West Ham pretty much came out of nothing as well. Hmm. It's It was all Arsenal. And then after maybe 35 minutes, goal, and then that just completely... Arsenal looked like they got really nervous. Yeah, and I mean, it is squeaky bum time for them, you know, especially with City picking up points and looking bloody good as they do it. You'd be sweating um, if you're a Gunners fan, wouldn't you? I think so. However, I would go as far to say that due to the position that Arsenal have been in, they've had a great season. But it's easy for me to say as a United fan, second isn't good enough for Arsenal. No. You know, they've been in such a position where they need to win the title. Is that going to be added pressure for them? But, you know, what a lot of, uh, you know, pundits and the like will say is they'll go, oh, well, you know, they've had a really good season. They've come from fifth last year, you know, and they've led the league for most of the year. Man, you've got to win the league. Like, you know, they've been in a position where they, you know, they should not be settling for second. Oh, maybe you take second at the beginning of the year before a ball's kicked, but... From the position, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But from the position they've been in, I'm not taking second. They play City in a couple of weeks, don't they? Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be an epic of the Etihad. I think that's going to be the real title decider. Um, I would possibly suggest that by that time, there's not even going to be a game in it. So yeah. it's, you know, whoever wins that will be the top of the league at the end of the full time. But, you know, Arsenal, I mean, if they could turn up and, and do City at the Etihad, I mean then it's all, all looking rosy from there. But at the moment, they're, uh, yeah, they're definitely looking over their shoulder. Mm. And the final one, mate, uh, oh, sorry, second last, uh, Forrest and United. United put together a good performance, mate. I was very, very pleased. Um, bit unfortunate, 2-0. Um, goals from Diego, Diogo Dallo and Anthony. Um, Marcel Sabitza, he came off in the warm-up with an injury, which is a bit of a bummer, definitely, as we're light on numbers through suspension and injury and the like. Um, but a real positive for United fans is Anthony Martial. He's looking good. He's back on the field, which is a positive. But uh, his link-up play has been really, really good with uh, with the midfield, with Bruno Fernandes playing a bit deeper and the wingers. So it's pretty positive for United fans on that front. And what do we have the last one, mate? Uh, Leeds versus Liverpool. Oh. Uh, an absolute pounding. <laughs> How's Liverpool's form, though? Like, oh. I mean, you know, so frustrating if you're a fan of them. Like, they've absolutely walloped United. Like, yeah. I mean, that one hurt for us. But, I mean, when they've been on, they've been on this year. They've absolutely pumped teams. But they've... Then they'll pick than a broken nuts. Yeah, I mean, then they'll go and lose to Critton Stanley in the... Uh, I just had a stroke there. <laughs> um in the in the FA Cup like that. They just can't get it right. Nah. Tough day for Leeds fans at Ellen Road. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, they've copped two floggings a week at Ellen Road. So, I mean, the the home fans will just won't show up next week. Uh, what was the match of the round for you, mate? Yeah, mate. I ended up going with Arsenal versus West Ham. Probably um, better matches out there this week from a football point of view. But the ramifications of the result... 
on both um, at the bottom of the table and the top of the table in particular. Pretty interesting. Value point for West Ham. And Arsenal not getting that three after being up 2-0 after, what was it, 10 or 12 minutes is, um, yeah, a tough one. Uh, yeah, as I said earlier, I couldn't really believe it um, after the start. It was Arsenal by how many? So, yeah, yeah from a theatre point of view and from what it means for the rest of the season, Arsenal versus West Ham for me. It's game on. Uh, my match of the round was Tottenham Bournemouth. Um, the Cherries were written off as relegated at the turn of the year, mate, but they've they've come back swinging. Um, it was an end to end match, um, you know, and the Tottenham fans they're pushing the panic button now. You know, uh, Cherries looking safe, Tottenham looking no chance for the top four, mate. But that was as an entertainment, as a spectacle. That was my game yeah. of the round. Uh, you know, stoppage time winners help that as well. So, good match, mate. Uh, European football news, mate. So, Chelsea and Milan have gone through to the next round, to the semi-finals of the uh, the Champions League. They'll meet either Inter, Benfica, uh, Bayern Munich, or Man City. So, talking about Man City, they go in with a three-nil lead over Bayern tomorrow, but controversy on the Bayern Munich front with winger Sadio Mane, formerly of Liverpool, chinning Leroy Sane in the dressing shed after the game. Apparently he's been fined 300,000 euros and suspended for one match, which just happened to be their league match on the weekend. Um, Mate, the teammates chinning each other, do you like it? Oh, it all comes down to context, doesn't it? (laughs) From a fan's point of view, I don't mind it at all. Um, you know, we nearly saw it at Penrith the other week, didn't we? With um, well, they—I mean, it was played out like they were going to. It was actually played out like they were punching on on the football field. But, yeah, well, yeah, you they know, were just having a stern word. Yeah. Um, Jerome Luai to a weak gutted dog. You know, oh, so. mate. But yeah. um, oh, you know what? Um, I guess it all depends on, on the context of it. But yeah. I guess as a manager, you wouldn't be super stoked with as it. As a no club, you're not happy. Say. I mean, it's not the first time, though. I mean, Craig Bellamy's golf club incident prior to their Champions League match with Barcelona when he was at Liverpool. Yep. And then he celebrated after scoring by swinging a golf club. So apparently he flogged Joanna Risa with a driver when they were in their villa in Portugal leading yep. into the match. <laughs> Lee Bowyer and Kieran Dyer actually punching on and both getting red cards on the field. Yep. For Newcastle United, that was an old classic where they scrapped. So check that one out if you haven't seen it. Uh, David Beckham copying the boot in the eye from Fergie. He came in and kicked oh, the boot, yes, and yes, hit him yes, in the yes, eye, yep. and then yep. uh, similar he was to out the door, wasn't he? Yeah, well, voice. similar to Leroy Sane having the fat lip uh, for the media this week. David Beckham had the band aid over the eye. It was uh, an eyebrow version of rapper Nelly mm. for the uh, press conference. Um, Rude Van Nistelrooy and Cristiano Ronaldo. A lot of people don't realise that this was the beginning of the end for Rude Van Nistelrooy at Man United. Is he had a, a verbal altercation with Cristiano Ronaldo, and he told him to go and run home to his daddy for the uh, untrained eye. That's an innocent comment, but uh, the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo's father had just died of alcoholism oh. uh, was it wasn't received well. So no. uh, Sir Alex Ferguson decided that Cristiano Ronaldo was going to win that battle, and I mean, a Ballon d'Or and a Champions League later, he probably made the right choice on that one. 
And the final one, Michael Jordan and Steve Kerr, mate, the basketball. Jordan, competitive as ever, chinning Golden State Warriors coach when they were teammates uh, during practice. And they both speak pretty highly of each other around that one. Oh, beautiful. And, and you know what? I'll throw in Desi Hasler ripping off the Brookvale door and hitting oh, Jamie Lyon in the head as well. You poor know. Jamie Lyon. I mean, he would have been sitting there, Jamie Lyon, thinking, going, I mean, there's better hinges in Wee War yeah. than what they've got at Brookvale here. I mean, I could have understood if Brian Smith did it, but not, oh. not, not Desi. <laughs> Uh, so, a bit more European football, uh, the Europa League, that, that kicks off on Friday morning. United go in 2-all, they dropped two, two goals late against Sevilla, Feyenoord have got one up against Roma, Sporting a one up against Juventus, and the Battle of Germany, Union, Berlin and Leverkusen are poised at one apiece, mate. Busy, busy in the football world. Absolutely, mate. Where are we up to next? Mate, uh, what do you got for us with the integrity report? <laughs> Integrity. This is Democracy Manifest. We're doing the integrity report. We're up to the integrity report. Integrity, mate. We've got integrity issues today. All right. Let's hear about it. Big ones. The Dalai Lama. What do you know about him, mate? Very little, mate. The Dalai Lama. Although I have heard some things in recent times. Well... A video has surfaced of the Dalai Lama asking a young boy to suck his tongue. I mean, I don't know where you go with that. In the cancel culture climate of today, how this bloke hasn't been whisked off to a quiet cave in the Himalayas (laughs) and told to lay low for the rest of his life, I don't know. Suck my tongue. Like what? I mean, the interaction is all sorts of messed up, mate. It's crazy. And it really, the problem there is it gets the concerned thought processes going. Hmm. I mean, as a parent, when you're teaching the concepts of stranger danger, you cover all bases. White vans, lollies, ice cream, all the red flags. Yeah. Safety house back in the day. Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah. An old bloke in a robe asking you to suck his tongue. It's something as a parent you don't get to, no. is it? No, you don't. <laughs> you haven't even considered it. Buddhism is noted as a peaceful religion potty. Yeah. Spiritual following. In Buddhism, pasadi refers to the tranquility of body, speech, thoughts and consciousness on the path to enlightenment. But I'd say to the Dalai Lama, if you're asking my son to suck your tongue... I'm going to have to enlighten you the old-fashioned Western Sydney way, brother. (laughs) (laughs) There's a statement, mate. We've got a statement from the Dalai Lama's office. I don't know if he has an office up there. But um, Tibetan activists, or the statement that has occurred, they've argued that the interaction was an overblown joke. Sticking out one's tongue is a form of traditional Tibetan greeting, although no sucking is involved. I mean, that's the key point here. Yeah. And it's disturbing. Um, I mean, the boy, they say, they say also here, the boy said it was a good experience meeting the Dalai Lama. Was it really? <laughs> I mean, I would question that. But um, <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's, it's hard enough when grandma asks you for a sloppy kiss when you're a toddler, mate, let alone for the Dalai Lama asking you to suck his tongue. I don't get it, mate. Super Bowl winners Tom Brady and Bill Belichick talking about the cultural component. They've been criticised for kissing their adult children on the lips. So that's where we sit on that in Western culture. 
you know, the world's discussed where the line is. I'm going to call bullshit on the cultural yeah. aspect. This was an old bloke who asked a little boy to suck his tongue, body. What do you yeah. think? What are, what's some of the awkward cultural stuff? What's your thoughts on it? What are some of the awkward cultural stuff you can think of? Well, yeah, what I think of it, like, when you sent it through to me to have a read, I couldn't believe what I was reading at the time. It was, hey, it, was, um, it is so disturbing. I'm so lucky. The only footage I've seen is a pixelated version of the kid's face, which I'm happy with. I can just, oh, yeah, I, I can roll mean, with that. I yeah. don't want to go in. It's, yeah. I mean, um, an absolute creep. Yeah, so I, I've got no idea what's I've got no idea what's going on from that perspective. But yeah, what's been said certainly by um, standards in society, it's missed the mark. Uh, absolutely, to, it to could be, be further to, from the mark. Yeah. To, so, so you under you know like when we talk about cultural things, like they've yeah. got obviously pulled the cultural line here, which is actually absolutely bullshit. We don't. It's all right. This is just an old delinquent asking a toddler to suck his tongue because he's lived a life of I can do and say whatever I want, and everybody just smiles and goes, "Ah, yeah." That's all that was. When politicians meet and it gets really awkward, have you got any sort of you know things that you know from the history books yeah. that, that grab you on that, mate? What do you got? Got, got a couple. Got a couple along those lines. So, scamo. Oh, scamo. Is this, this isn't the Ingerdine Mackers incident you're talking about, is it? Well, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, I'm going for something a little bit more, um, yeah, well... A little bit I'll, more I'll, official. I'll take it. I'll yeah. take it. ScoMo, you know, he's hot on the campaign trail last year, 2022. Yeah. He's misinterpreted a friendly game of soccer with some youngsters under eights while trying to endear himself to voters as a state of origin trial game. Hi- highlighted... Uh, the highlight of this was when ScoMo took a youngster to the ground, ball and all. Absolutely Mate, smashed sounds, him. This sounds very Boris Johnson-like. <laughs> but there was some good news. In a positive for the PM, he was cleared by the match review committee. So Was that one of his other portfolios that he gave himself <laughs> as well after that one? <laughs> and, um, oh, I mean... Who could forget um, Johnny Howard misreading the room when he started playing lawn bowls instead of cricket while visiting earthquake ravaged Pakistan oh, in 2005? Man, that was you would you'd be putting a super injunction on that footage, wouldn't you? You oh. wouldn't be allowing that out. <laughs> oh, man, look. What about you, mate? What do you got? I'm going to jump on the back of our former fearless leader Johnny Howard. Kissing the Maori police inspector on the nose <laughs> while undertaking the traditional hongi greeting in New Zealand. So, yeah, obviously a traditional Maori where they, they, yeah. they press the forehead in a gentle manner. Yep. And he's obviously thought he was coming in to offer him up, you know, his, his face. And he gave him a bit of an Eskimo kiss on the nose. Oh, dear. But an absolute bludger. Uh, the second one I've got, Labor Party leader or former Labor Party leader in the UK, Jeremy Corbyn. Misreading the high five uh, and slapping member for Islington South, Emily Thornbury, on the tip. Oh, no. <laughs> you see, she's just won the by-election. They're cheering, doing the media thing. He's given the thumbs up. There was a thumbs up in return. It was misinterpreted, throwing up the high five. Slaps the high five. Check it out on YouTube. Gets it right on the left tit. Uh, it's an absolute bludger. But anyway, that's, I'm sure that's got plenty of views on it. And the final one, mate, former opposition leader. So I'm having a crack at the opposition leaders here. Bill Shorten's trip to Kiribati got interesting on the campaign trail back in the Pacific in 2015. 
he was invited to undertake a cultural dance. And I'm telling you, mate, it genuinely looked like Bill was struggling to main control, maintain control of his body. <laughs> Between oh. his massive feet and his five head, it looked like he was having an internal seizure oh. <laughs> as he's going through. <laughs> it is it, mate. Jump on YouTube, dig it out, listeners at home. Mate, Bill Shorten, Jeremy Corbyn, John Howard, go and find them. ScoMo with the kids. One more while we're here as well. What do you got? Who can forget um, Tony Abbott um, threatening to um, shirt front um, Vladimir Putin? Oh. <laughs> Tony, Mate, I would like to see that. Yeah, look, I mean, if Tony turned up in his suit, his toast because Vladimir Putin is a black belt in judo and is probably going to take him for a ride. <laughs> but if Tony Abbott's turned up in his sluggos and flexed, he'd be meaning business. I reckon he'd he'd psych him out. I'd he'd, say so. He'd psych him out. Shirt front him without a shirt on, Tony. That's oh. what we're saying. Um, mate, going back to the Dalai Lama. And you're thinking about, like, regardless of anything, asking someone to suck your tongue is such an aggressive... Like, it's you can't even fathom it. Look, if I was 19 and single and the hottest chick on earth asked me to suck her tongue, I, I'd be in a pickle. I'd just be yeah. like, oh, that is just aggressive. I can't yes, do that. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no. But anyway, I'm going to throw one out for you, mate. Would you rather? Yeah. Three options here. Brett Lee, 2001 Brett Lee. So we're talking about pure pace, Brett Lee. You're in the cricket nets. you got no bat, no box. You're standing at the end. Brett Lee gets to rip one in, you've got a blindfold on. That's option one. Option two, prostate examination, Tony Robbins. <laughs> option three, suck the Dalai Lama's tongue, mate. What are you taking? <laughs> Bringing into me bigger. He's taking Brett Lee. Do you know what I'm taking? I'm taking Tony Robbins for the prostate exam because I mean I want to know how my prostate's going. And yeah, yeah, he's got big hands. It's all right. <laughs> so that is it for the Integrity Report today. Um, yeah, the Dalai Lama. Give yourself an uppercut and somebody cut him off. Cut him off. Send him away. Oh. Righty, mate. Mate, what have we got? Moving into other sports. Um, the National Junior Athletics Championships are big news. What do you got for me? Mate, you be catching much of this? I, I saw a, I saw a bit on the socials. A few that I follow have yeah. got family members and the like that have sort of had an involvement in it. I just saw it on the socials as well. Yeah, the big one, 15-year-old Gout Gout from Queensland has run a 28.7 in the 200 metres. Quick, that's, you know, the world record is uh, 2019, I think. Is uh, Usain Bolt ran a 25.8 at the same age? Yeah, wow. So he's not far off it. No. Gout Gout. The question I'm going to pose to you, though, mate, is he the fastest person to ever run with Gout? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Mate, so so for the listeners at home, um, I mean, in a previous 
life, I was a bricklayer. I was a tradie originally before I went into education, as we've explained before. And so I'm well acquainted working with old bludgeon bricklayers over the years as to what gout is. Funny stories, I've turned up one day for, um, for work and this bloke, he was obviously susceptible to a bit of gout and he, mate, he's walking like peg leg Pete across the slab and I'm going, what's happened to you, mate? It's you've a big weekend, did you roll your ankle or something? He goes, no, no, I've got gout and I've never had gout. I mean, the first time I'd heard about it was Harry Kuehl got it before the last round of 16 in the World Cup in 06 and he missed the game and everybody worked out what gout was after that. So anyway, I've said, I said, oh, that sounds painful. He goes, oh, it's the worst. I said, do you usually get it? He goes, yeah, I'm a bit susceptible to it. But I'd had a few beers on the weekend and my wife had come home with a seafood marinara pizza <laughs> as well. Oh, so he's had a, a skin full of beers, the seafood marinara pizza, he said, and it even had tomatoes on it, which is even worse for the oh, gout. So, no, 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 no. So for anybody who suffers from gout or has had gout before, send us through your stories because yeah. uh, we I haven't experienced it, but we've heard about it. But also too, um, look, if you have got gout and you want to run 200 metres and time it, just send it through and we'll keep the records. Yeah. But uh, gout, gout, congratulations, champion. Congratulations, 28 7 Looking forward to seeing you do big things in the future. Absolutely. We'll look forward to seeing you representing the green and gold down the track. AFL talk, mate. What do you got? Oh, well, mate, AFL this week. I'm going to let you lead this one off because I know you've got something to say about a, a particular announcement from the Oh, NFL. okay, mate. Look, gather round. Gather round. Let's... Come on, huddle up. <laughs> mate, gather round. Gather round. The AFL are a pack of knobs. <laughs> Let's have a round where all teams play at the one stadium potty. How does that sound? That sounds unique. Oh, Over the no, same weekend. No, wait, hang on. It sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? Yeah, I feel like I've heard it before. The NRL just happens to do something similar, mate. It's called Magic Round. <laughs> Magic Round, for rugby league fans out there and AFL alike, is actually a derivative of Magic Weekend, which is from the UK Super League, which started in 2007. So it's been around a while. AFL, just call it Magic Round, you wankers. Seriously. That is what it is. If you think you are better, bigger and better than rugby league, and it's a competition for viewers, which I disagree with, I think there are fans of AFL, there are fans of rugby league, and there are fans that like both. Be better. Just be better. Call it Magic Round and be better. Put the numbers out. Flop your dong on the table and go, this is what we're working with NRL. Gather round sounds like a mixture of no creative ideas and a hope to not hurt anyone's feelings. That's what gather round sounds like. It's an absolute oat milk latte, cravat wearing, jar drinking bullshit, mate. And I'm off it, as you can see. <laughs> well, I can see you're off it, mate. And you know what? I've put my, put my thinking cap on and I've decided, you know what? You're not happy with Gather Round. I've got some alternatives for what you. Do you. What do you got for me? So if, oh. if the AFL want to be unique, you know, and they... How about this? Enchant, enchanted Round. Oh. That, well, I'm not done. Yep. Abracadabra Round. 
Oh, very very Harry Potterish. Majestic round. Look, where, look, abracadabra round. What happens if nobody turns up? They have the That's they the make magic. them the magic. They make them disappear. Um, bedazzled round. Yeah, that sounds. Yep. Right, right. I can see you don't love those. I've got, I've got a couple more for you. Right, yeah. Okay. So these ones are a little bit different. Why is everyone chasing that slippery ball round? Oh, I like that one. Mm. Hang on, another one. Yep. Let's reward kickers who miss but go pretty close round. Oh, that's that's not not bad. Yep. Or um, maybe my personal favourite. Uh, spare a thought for the ground curator round. I like that one. Uh, yeah. Mate, spe- well, speaking of those things, another thing that grinds my gears with AFL is disposals. 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 Like what a stat for disposal. Like disposals is a stat, like where you pass the ball yep. or you get rid of it. Why do you count disposals? It's like imagine what Reed Marnie's stats would be every week. Disposals or bloody Appy Coruscant. Disposals. <laughs> what are you talking? Give yourselves an uppercut. Um, look, mate. The whole idea around gather round and the fact that these blokes didn't have enough, you know, guts about them to actually just call it magic round. Had me thinking about knockoffs, mate. Remember, like knockoffs, like where they just rip things off. Yep. What are some of the best knockoffs of all times? Like brands, songs, movies. What do you have? You got any for me? Yeah, I've got a couple for you. I went down the movies and yep. movies pathway. Armageddon and Deep Impact. Ooh. Virtually released on the same day, <laughs> mate. Armageddon. I can't. The thing I really struggle with with Armageddon, and putting you know my critical hat on here. Why was it easier for them to teach miners how to be astronauts rather than teaching astronauts how to mine? Well, I didn't even notice that. I just love the aerospace. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, you're just like, well, hold on a second. You've made a movie where you've trained oil rigging miners to be astronauts. Surely it'd be easier to teach a few astronauts to go on an oil rig and learn how to work a drill. Hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not how Hollywood works. But anyway, what else we got, mate? Oh, more recent films, White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. Yeah. Pretty much some, the same movie happening, <laughs> released at the same time. Oh, very good. Th- then I had a look at some actors. So, knockoffs. Billy Baldwin. Hell, well, yeah. there you go. And uh, the other Hemsworth. Yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, one is Thor, the other is his brother. Yeah. Um, mate, I've got a couple for you. Brands. Addy Hash. Addy Hash. Remember the, yeah. the market ripoff of Adidas, Addy Hash. Now, there was a fellow I worked with uh, many years ago, and he'd gone to Bali, and he got himself a new backpack. And I don't even think he realized until he got back to work, and he bought it in, and we all picked it like a dirty nose. Is It was Conversary. It was, wasn't oh. Converse. <laughs> it was the Converse star, but it said Conversary. Uh, another one, mate, was Dave Soap instead of Dove. <laughs> <laughs> and Meats by Dre. <laughs> so whether it's Meats, not Beats. Oh. Um, some movies, mate. Euro Trip, the knockoff of Road Trip. Uh, Scotty doesn't know. Not another teen movie. And that bludger, Dumb and Dumber. Oh, oh. no. 
no, no, no. But no. a song, mate. Song that would probably go uh, take us back as as knockabout Aussies. Bloke by Chris Franklin. So remember, I'm a bitch. Yep. That song, I'm a bitch. Yeah, this one was, I'm a bloke, I'm a yobbo, and my best mate's name is Robbo. <laughs> that was a So cracker. check that one out on YouTube, Bloke by Chris Franklin. I just had one more from the sporting world. As what do you got, mate? Well, mate, um, Carmichael Hunt's Benji wannabe sidestep. Yes. He tried really hard, but he had the turning circle of a forward focus compared to Benji, so. Yeah, you know. he, came in, he came in hot at the wrong time. Benji was on fire, 04, 05. Rightio, mate, let's get into some fight talk. Talk to me about the fights, mate. Mate, um, first of all, I need to apologise to the listeners around confusion of UFC 287. I've I've found for the last sort of 15 pay-per-views, I've been calling them the wrong number. So it was 287, not 288. So 288 is coming up. I've been doing it a lot lately, so I apologise for that. Uh, fight night on the weekend, mate. Max Holloway, Arnold Allen. Max Holloway made up a piece of my multi, which we'll get into a bit later, but... I mean, Arnold Allen, up-and-coming contender. It was a cracking fight. Um, he hits hard, but Max Holloway's class, his footwork, he was, you know, he's going to be the gatekeeper at, at 145, that's for sure. And I believe uh, Australia's own Alexander Volkanovsky wasn't very happy because he keeps knocking out his contenders. So as the contenders climb the ladder, poor old Max knocks them, and they've already fought three times. So... Significant strikes and all-around skills of Holloway did the did the job on the day, but uh, it was a great fight, really good one to watch. Um, the second match that I, I had a good look at was Edson Barbosa and Billy Quarantilio. Um, Quarantilio started really well. He was the favourite going into it. Um, Barbosa, a pretty uh, chiselled veteran, uh, but a caught with a brilliant piece of skill from Barboza as he came in for the takedown, got the knee flush on the chin, knocked him out cold. So uh, Barboza gets back in the wing column, but uh, that's that's a special one if you guys and listeners at home want to check out the highlights, a good old knockout, Edson Barboza. Um, and the final one was Dustin Jacoby, who's a kickboxing specialist. He uh, fought as Azamat Mirzakhanov and... Um, Mirzakhanov really beat him at his own game, sort of pushed the pressure, uh, a shorter, stockier fighter, but had a real big speed advantage, and that paid off. Uh, Dustin Jacoby had the striking credentials, and he came home really strong in the third, but Mirzakhanov got the uh, got the, uh, the decision on that one, and it was a really impressive performance, mate. Fantastic. Um Something else that's caught my eye in this uh, fighting world over the last um, week has been the announcement of Nate Diaz versus Jake Paul. You, Mate, YouTube it's a big sensation, one. Jake Paul. Uh, and Nate Diaz, known for um, his background in MMA and UFC, I, I first heard of Nate Diaz when he choked out Conor McGregor. Yep. some years back, which is yeah, that, I think that was where a lot of people realised how big Nate Diaz was because he always had a, a pretty fanatical fan following. But once he beat McGregor, everybody went, "Oh, I, we can hear them now!" Like, uh, yeah, so he's always been a well-supported fighter. Both the Diaz brothers. How do you see this one going, mate? Um, yeah, I, d- I don't know. Um, Diaz, Diaz will come up a bit in weight. I yep. mean, he'll make the one. I believe it's a one eighty-five. Yep. He'll make that weight um, comfortably. Uh, probably might even come underweight. But, um, you know, he's got boxing skills. It depends on what type of a fight it is uh, and what 
Jake Paul comes in to do. It's only eight rounds. I would have liked to have seen it as 12 because Diaz has a gas tank. Yep. So I think he'll look to pile the pressure later on in the fight and he's got a, a ruthless chin, so he'll take some punishment. So that's where it would get really interesting. So I, I would say that that's probably on Jake Paul's side, the fact that it's eight rounds and not 12. Yep. Um, yeah, which will probably sway in his way. Um, Jake Paul's going to look to bounce back from his decision loss to Love Island alumni and brother of the greatest boxer walking the planet, Tommy Fury. Um, for traditional fans of the sweet science, mate, they're not going to like this. They are not going to like the fact that these blokes are going to go and get paid big money to box. But, um, you know, I, I love it. Similar to what George Rose does um, promoting the, the footy fight nights and the like. I, I think it does good things for boxing. It brings eyes to boxing. I love, I, th- I can see the difference between these types of fights and say, for example, this weekend, you've got Javonta Davis versus Ryan Garcia. I can see the difference between the quality of those fights. But the fact that it's going to bring eyes and you can promote those fights, I mean, I don't know what people are complaining about really. Yeah, well, it got me thinking with um, Jake Paul going up against uh, Nate Dares from the UFC, um, whether that puts him a step closer to maybe a confrontation with brother Logan Paul, who's currently well, signed to WWE. I would say that they, if there was two brothers on this earth that would fight for money, it'd be them two. Yeah. They would definitely do it. They, If they could get views and cash, I think the Paul brothers would punch on in front of a TV. He's putting on a hell of a show over in the WWE, Logan Paul. Yeah, I mean they're, I mean they're, they're money makers. Like they, yeah, entertainers. That is what they do. And um, you know they're putting themselves in a in a unique space to to entertain and make that money. But yeah, I I I like it. Look, I'm not gonna. You're not gonna get me bagging those boys out making some money. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um. So looking at it though. And looking at um, at the fight, I would be interested to see how good Nate Diaz's boxing transitions. So he's a really good boxer in MMA, but I'll be really, really interested to see how that goes with the eight-ounce gloves on, hmm. you know, when it goes into a boxing match. Um, I think we could be surprised. You know, we, we could see something pretty good from him. So it's I think the unknown around that is something that um, will have people tuning in regardless. Yeah. Um, talking this week, mate, we've got a big fight. Javonta Davis versus Ryan Garcia, mate. I'm going to give you a bit of a bit of homework on this one. Okay. There's a bit, there's a UFC on as well. Um, catch weight bout of 136. So Javonta Davis, Tank Davis, he's a heavy hitting uh, boxer. He's out of the Floyd Mayweather camp uh, originally, and he puts the lights out he's an absolute hence the name tank he's an absolute heavy hitter ryan garcia is a bit taller and he is a fundamentals boxer so it's going to be an interesting fight this one um they're both undefeated tank will come in as the favorite but i think he'll get tested i think for the first time in his career ryan garcia being a slick and quicker boxer is going to Put shots on tank and it'll be interesting to see what happens so i'm going to give you a bit of homework mate to check out the javonta davis versus ryan garcia boxing match this weekend and report back report back will do will do 
So finally, too, just to, I'll quickly touch on the UFC fight night. We've got Pavlovich uh, versus Curtis Blades, big heavyweight fight. That'll be an interesting one. Pavlovich, those uh, listeners might remember him. He is the one who ousted our own Taitu Ivasa in his last fight. Um, he's a he's a machine gun Russian fella, hits hard, comes out quick. Curtis Blades, wrestling background. So um, yeah, I'll be really. I'd say Blades is the favourite in that one. But um, yeah, if if Pavlovich lands early, it could get very interesting. Other Another fight that I like on that card, uh, Bobby Green versus Jared Gordon. So it's a nice little fight, that one. Jared Gordon is looking to bounce back from his decision loss against the f- fifth Beatle, Paddy Pimblett. Or we'll call him the sixth Beatle because George Best was the fifth Beatle. So the sixth Beatle, this scouser, Paddy Pimblett. So, uh, yeah, that's it for the fights, mate. Uh, what have we got next? Uh, we're looking at our three-legged multis of the week. Oh, review, well. famous last words for me was, I'm going for a collect. Going for a pay. How'd you go, mate? Oh, that's it for me and the cows this year. After picking the Sharks 1-12 over the Roosters on Friday night, I was counting my money. I thought, here we go. I, I really thought the cows would get them done, but they went over there and they, they looked busted. I expected much, much more from them. Cowboys, you've hurt me too many times this year. To quote Ross Geller from Friends, we are on a break. We're on a break. It's not me. It's not you, it's me. It's not (laughs) you, it's me. You're breaking it off easy. Oh, mate, so tough go again, mate. I had um, had a good start. I had Gaston Balanos in the fights. He's a bit of a hidden secret, Gaston Balanos. And um, I will ne- he's one of those ones with fighters when you tip him, you'll get him once and then you'll never get him again because the, yeah. the bookies get onto it. So I've lost Gaston Balanos because he was in me multi. He got up. Penrith, uh, they were meant to be my sure thing and they made me work for that, that's for <sighs> sure. But I had uh, Max Holloway to get the job done via TKO, KO or TKO. And unfortunately, I think if there was another 15 seconds in the fight, he could have possibly got it done, yeah. but uh, there wasn't, and I missed out again. I will say it again. This week, mind you, I'll be we'll be on a golf trip, and I'll probably have a skin full of lager. But uh, I'm going, going for, for a, a co- I'm going for a collect. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, mate. So yeah, we're pretty excited about that. We've got a uh, bit of a golf weekend coming up, mate. You looking forward to it? You've been practicing the swing. Mate, I went out to the driving range today, took my young fella oh. out there to have a little bit of a hit. So that was good fun. I, I, it started off quite well and then then faded. The young fella was hitting them. <laughs> put it this way, oh. the bloke, the bloke oh. collect, he's five. The bloke collecting the um, uh, the ball, the part-time guy, the 15-year-old collecting all the balls, didn't have to earn too much of oh, his money wow. today. He was, he was walking about five metres. Well, uh, yeah, so the form line's a bit uh, a bit shabby on that one. Yeah. Now, a good one that I saw the other day talking about the golf before we move on to the penis of the week was um, on Instagram, there was a, a video that went around that was saying that on your local course, John Rahm, would you beat John Rahm if you had a 10-stroke lead on your local course? And the response on this video was... <laughs> I wouldn't beat John Rahm even if he'd had a stroke <laughs> on my local course. I thought that was an absolute ripper. So oh. um, we'll, we'll share that one up on the social media page. That yeah, was an absolute piss of that cool. one. Um, mate, final little thing before we sign off. The penis of the week. What do you got for us this week, mate? All right. So you, you're going to be going, come on, Potty. Leave small business 
uh, alone after my whinge last week about. Are you uh, are you gonna dig into a culinary experience again now? Are you? I am. I am. I'm, I'm getting into it. So, you know, away for a weekend camp and it was fantastic. Plenty of takeaway. One night we've gone down to a local Thai restaurant. Oh, I love a bit of Thai. Camp. Love a bit of yeah. Thai. So they've taken my order after waiting 40 minutes for my meal which wasn't too bad but I was quoted 20 minutes they proceeded to give me my food without the rice that I'd ordered with it um, after politely asking for the missing item uh, they informed me that they were out of rice and they had forgotten to tell me while I was ordering um, you know I had a Penang with it the Penang curry what? with it so I was like it wasn't going to go down all that well without it so I was a little bit um a little bit oh, disappointed, should so, I say? A Thai restaurant has run out of rice. They've run out of rice. <laughs> this, oh mate, I I'm struggling to struggling to hang with this one. Well, keep going, mate. Uh, to uh, to to top everything off for me, they proceeded to rush me out the door while giving me a ten dollar refund. Since the rice cost fifteen dollars in the first place, oh, I wasn't mate. overly impressed with the outcome, mate. You have been handled. I mean, was Jordan Belfort, if we go back to the start of the podcast, was he uh, sort of running the door on this Thai restaurant? Oh, so oh, I walked mate. away from that and I was like, yep, yeah, you know what? You're getting a run on the podcast. Isn't that's, that's an absolute luxury. You would think in today's market that investing in rice would be a better bet than crypto. But, I mean, that's been challenged by your story there. Oh. What about uh, you, mate? What do you got for us? Mate, penis of the week this week, I... I struggled with it, but um, I mean, I couldn't go past uh, drivers, mate. Drivers. And yesterday I was driving back home and I went to go through a roundabout. Now, the fact that generally the gen- the consensus around is that people don't know how to use roundabouts is, you know, is pretty tough to wear as it is. But the fact that the old thought process is it's give way to your right. The actual law is it is the first person to the roundabout if in doubt give way to your right. That's what the law is. Yeah. So anyway, I've let two cars go through. One was a paddy wagon, mind you. And I thought, oh yeah, I'll just let you go through. That's fine. Lived and then I, <laughs> well, and then I've gone to go through, and this knob jockey has come through, not even tapped the brakes, doing seventy, and it then proceeds to almost T-bone me and then give me the horn the whole way through. So I just went, you know what, okay, whatever. Little did he know, I'm on the shortcut. So to get out of where we were both coming from, he's going to pass me again. (laughs) So I receive him on the other side of the road. I had the window down. I'm not a road rage guy. I had the window down. And I was giving him a wave out the window because if you're going to beat me on the way through and almost T-bone me when you are actually the one at fault because you're meant to slow down, you're not meant to just speed through a roundabout, you've at least got to face up to the consequences on the other end. And the fact that he looked straight, we made eye contact and then he quickly looked straight and he looked like a kid who had forgotten his homework whilst I was waving out the window showed that he probably knew that he was being a bit out of order. So ladies and gentlemen, if you do not know how to use a roundabout, you are a penis. <laughs> okay? Number two, if you are going to beat people and engage in you know minor road rage, 
you're a penis. Number three, don't beat people if you can't fight either. <laughs> like, I'm not someone that will fight. That's, I think that's dumb. Nobody wins that one. But the fact that you think that you can sit in your car and beat people and there is no repercussions because you just never know. Somebody might be on the shortcut that you don't know about and they might be around the corner to meet you. But anyway, back to those who use roundabouts who don't know how to use them correctly. Roundabouts are for flowing of traffic. They're not for everybody who is going down the most congested road to have right of way. That's how they work, ladies and gentlemen. Uh... If you don't know how to use a roundabout, you are a penis. If you are going to beat me in the car and then pretend that you did nothing as we go around the corner, you are a penis. Don't beat people. Don't road rage unless you know how to fight. Seriously. (laughs) That is my penis of the week. Potty, we have done it again, mate. We've knocked it over. Um, It's been a a bit of time apart, but we'll tuck that one in the back pocket. Thanks, mate. Any final words? Have a great week, everyone. Mate. And for those of our listeners who are out at Coonabarra Brand, home of the unicorns, we say good night. And farewell.